It's time to accelerate. Hi, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Join me as I host conversations with the leading experts in sales, marketing, sales automation, sales process, leadership, management, training, coaching, any resource that I believe to help you accelerate the growth of your sales, your business, and most importantly, you. Hello, and welcome to Accelerate. It is another episode of Frontline Friday with my regular and very special guest, Bridget Gleason. Remember last time, made that mistake of just saying regular guest when there's nothing regular about you. But you also went into very special, sometimes very special. Uh, that can have positive connotations or negative, and I'm going to take it as positive. Yes, yes. It's a very, very special. Very, very. We'll Great go. to be here. You know, I look forward to these. Well, third special ad for today. The third special. The third special. So, how are you doing? We, I mean, feels like we haven't spoken for quite a while, even though it's just been a week. I know. And, you know, I, uh, I think I said last time we were finishing up a quarter and I was looking forward to having the quarter end and opportunity to take a little breather. Anyone who is in sales will know. There is no such thing as a breather. No. The quarter ended on a Saturday, and we started our quarterly business reviews on a Monday, had the individual sales rep quarterly business reviews, then had them at the manager level, and we just finished our executive QBRs yesterday. So um, I feel like maybe I'll take a, I don't know, I'll take a deep breath right now and get ready for the next phase but yeah you're back at zero again so so, well let's talk about these quarterly business reviews so what when you're conducting these you said with the individuals and gosh you you mentioned like six or seven different ones you're doing what are they what's what's the what's the context and what is the content of them so we do these at the end of a quarter preparing for the next quarter so there is it's probably 25 percent retrospective, what happened and why, mm-hmm. and then 75% looking forward. And what, what does the quarter look like and what do, we, what do we need to do to influence, to get the outcome that we want in the quarter? So in our case, um, our average sales cycle is about 58 days. So and what you, measure, I, you measure that from from when to when, not we, obviously order on one hand, but on the other end, is it uh, the first time sales engages with them, or yeah, when you we get do, in- yeah, we do from first time sales engages. Okay. So what we talk? One of the things that the, the themes for my team, um, looking at going through their quarterly business reviews, were two things. One. For anyone that, whose pipeline was a little bit light or looked like that their forecast for the quarter was lighter than they wanted it to be, it's actually true for anybody, but a particular emphasis for those whose, whose forecast was light, triple down in the first month of the quarter in your prospecting efforts and getting customers engaged. Whatever you're doing for pipeline generation, you got to double it. Yeah, because 58, 58 days, if it's not there by the beginning of the second month. Uh, yeah, you can influence. And, and the yeah. point is you can influence your quarter. So let's be thoughtful and look forward and influence a quarter. Then the second piece we focused on is we've got a lot of good stuff in flight so that's, that's, that uh, reps are working. And this was also really uh, for the managers is how do you help manage those deals 
to completion. Because if, if we can, if we can successfully, I don't want to say control the sale, but really manage it with our prospects, we'll have a great quarter. So those two things were the things that, uh, that we really focused on. And what about, um, with your managers then, or is that with your managers? Got to seem more like the reps. Yeah. So at the man, I mean, at the managers, you know, the manager's role is really to help their reps be more successful. So for them, my, my point to them was, all right, what are you doing to help organize and orchestrate some pipeline generation activities, be it amongst your teams, individually, with marketing? What can we, how can you help facilitate that so that they'll have maximum Effort and sometimes doing it together as a team is really helpful. That's number one, mm-hmm. and then number two, it's really that um, middle of the funnel stuff, things that are in flight. How can you be working with your reps to help them manage manage through that? And that's that's also really their job is to help them manage things through through the funnel. And so, how does how does this differ for you? For people listening, entrepreneurs, sales leaders listening. Uh, saying, okay, you know, I've got this meeting once a quarter. You know, it sounds like a good discipline. More looking forward than looking back. But how do you differentiate that from the fact that you, you know, you're doing this sort of coaching and management on an ongoing basis? I mean, what, what are you, sir? What are you resetting? I guess you know, once a quarter that that maybe you're not addressing on an ongoing basis. I think the quarter gives us an opportunity to look at trends, and to do some sort of a comparative analysis. What I've, what I've experienced both when I was a rep as well as a manager and even, even at the VP level, uh, I, I tend to look at more trends than they do, but th- there's not often this retrospective and also looking forward to put things in context. So I think QBRs allow us, allow some contextualization of what's happening mm-hmm. across individual reps across teams, and then to be able to provide that roll-up to the company. And so, yeah, it, it's always there. It's, it's really just a, uh, it, it's a more, well, I don't want to say comprehensive, but it's looking at the quarter as a whole and saying, okay, what, what stands out here to us that was positive? What do we do, need to do more of? What do we need to do less of? And where are we kind of on track? Mm-hmm. It's really just a contextualization of what what reps and managers should be doing ongoing, which is why you know part of part of the exercise, reps and managers that manage their their business and their territories well throughout the day, the week, the month, the quarter, when it comes time for them to put things together for a QBR, it's not a lot of work because they've been doing it. Mm-hmm. But you may or may not be surprised, Andy, at it's not always managed as well as we would like to. We've got the aspirational, but the aspirational is not always the actual. And this is just a resetting, getting everybody back on the same page, reinforcing good habits, reinforcing a way to look at it, making sure we're all looking at the data the same way, identifying where there may be uh, problems that need to be addressed. It could be, again, at the individual level. It could be product gaps. It could be product market fit. It could be, I mean, you you just start to see where there may be issues. And and this is also a time to bring other parts of the company 
into what sales is doing. So mm-hmm. while we do it as a sales team, it's a good opportunity, again, to put it in a framework that's easily digestible and usable for the, re- for the other executives. So for marketing and finance and product and engineering, um, for these, for these different groups also to look at and say, ah, okay, here's what's going on in sales. Here's where we can partner better to get the results we want. So is one of the things that happens that maybe at your executive level or your manager level, you look at some individual contributors and say, okay, hey, you know, here's some people just aren't fitting. Yeah, and we do that, um, I would say at the highest level, we look at, all right, here's, here's repetainment, here's repetainment versus what other reps are doing. So at, at sort of at the highest level, it's it's a bigger tr- it's a bigger trend, and it's an encouragement to okay, we need to um, optimize optimize the teams so that and I hate it sounds crass, but to get really the appropriate return on investment based on rep contribution, and then that flows all the way down. So at the let's say that my level working with my managers and as uh, as the managers as we go through and I look at their different reps and what they're able to do and what they've been able to do historically and and their contribution relative to other reps let's say at a similar time frame then there are definitely discussions around are there people that just aren't a good fit that for whatever reason they're not making it here and they're surely frustrated um, they're not making the contribution individually to the team that needs to be. And this is definitely one of the times when that discussion is had about, well, is this the right person? Well, interesting. So does that conversation first happen at the executive level or is it more often that a manager comes to you to talk about this and then you bring it up further and say, okay, you know, we've made this decision on this individual. Yeah, it, it, it's funny, Andy. I was, I, I was, the right way for it to happen. The right way for it to happen is between the manager and the rep. They come to an understanding that it's not working, and the manager then comes to me. I mean, I can see it. I, I look at, I, I see the reports. I see the attainment. I see it every day. I probably already know. So I in parallel, we'll be having conversations with my manager about this rep and what are we doing to coach that person. And it, it's, it should never be a surprise. It should never be a surprise. It should be an ongoing dialogue and that there are no surprises. Well, no surprises oh. for the rep or for anybody, any, anybody, anybody. In the, anybody in the chain. Anybody in the chain, it shouldn't be a surprise. I agree. I mean, that's, if you're doing a good job on that. Yeah, and it's not always the case, though. And... You know, I can, I can think of, and, and it's not just at the sales level. So I can think of it at the, at the executive level, and not just at this QBR, but at times when an executive will have to, let's say it's our CEO saying, hey, I think you, XYZ VP, really need to look at your your staff. And it, again, it, sales is a little bit, sales is definitely more black and white, mm-hmm. but look at your staff and the contribution and you need to make some changes there. 
that's not the ideal way for it to happen. But people are not always, different people are more comfortable having the conversation and making those hard decisions around people in their organization. And they're hard. Well, they are hard. I mean, it's certainly a situation I've been in, and I'm interested to see what you would have done or would recommend in, in this case, is that especially in entrepreneurial organizations, yeah, one day the CEO walks into a VP of sales office and said, John's got to go. <laughs> it's, yeah. like, it's like, yeah. uh, what? <laughs> yeah, you got to get rid of John. You know, I walked by his desk yesterday and he's not doing anything. Um, you know, what's your recommendation? How did, as a manager, as a VP, how do you, how do you handle that? Well, I think there are two things. There's There's two different scenarios that I can envision. One is... The CEO's perception uh, is not mapped to, to the reality of it, and maybe it's unwarranted. So it could be that the CEO is making a, a, a judgment not based on, not entirely based on the facts, and actually this, there's a reason to keep this person. So if that's the case, it's the manager's job or m- my job, who, whomever, to manage up and again, recontextualize for the CEO. Let me tell you why I am making the decision to keep this person. And this is, and, and these are the reasons why, and here's how they're contributing. And, or they could say, yes, I recognize there's a problem. I'm, I'm, I've already had conversations. I'm managing it. Thank you for your input. I think in either, it, it, it's important to be able to manage up and, and say, uh, hopefully the manager's aware and is in control of the situation. Now, the other thing that happens, though, well, is... And that's a great a great, <laughs> a great, statement, because, yeah, there's nothing worse than, you know, going and, let's say, and asking a manager about one of the reps. So, so what are they working on right now? And have the manager not be able to answer that question. Well, that's right. So the other, th- the other scenario, though, that happens is the manager knows there's an issue. And the manager, but the manager hasn't handled it. And the manager is, you know, ostrich, head in the sand, mm-hmm. and uses this comment as an opportunity, or opportunity is the wrong word, an excuse, a reason, a crutch, perhaps, right. to go and have the, the, the I'm going to call it a courageous conversation, and say, hey, listen, it's out of my control, the CEO said it, I'm really sorry, that... And it's 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 somebody that hasn't wanted to deal with it, that is waiting for some external event to happen that will give them a reason to do it. Now, in the latter case, that's a, that's a manager that needs to be coached on how to uh, how to enable people, mm-hmm. how to identify when that's not working. And then how to help them transition to a place where they can be successful if, if they're not going to be successful in the role that they're in. Well, yeah, and that applies for the manager themselves because if they're afraid of having that conversation, it's, it's like having call reluctance, right? So right. that's the equivalent of as a manager if you're reluctant to get into the hard issues with your employees, to coach them, to be upfront and frank with them about what's working, what's not working, areas they need to improve setting expectations appropriately, you know, that's, as I said, that's as bad as a rep who won't pick up the phone and call a customer. 
That's right. And and sometimes it's it's a new manager and they just haven't been coached in it. Um, it and again, it, it goes, it, the same applies, as you point out, at the manager level. Are they doing the things that they need to do? And are they being coached appropriately to grow in the areas that they need to grow as a manager? And for the, the people who I manage, that's my responsibility to be having these ongoing conversations and identifying, is this someone who's growing in the role and stepping up to the level that I need he or she to be at? Um, or is this someone that it's, it's not a fit either in the role or in this company, whatever it is? So I, too, need to be at the manager level. We need to be having those conversations with our managers and make sure that we're, we're, we're doing this. We're having the same kind of coaching with them as they are hopefully having with their reps. Right. Okay. We're going to take a short break. We're going to come back, talk some more about uh, sort of, <laughs> we're talking about <laughs> end of life perhaps uh, for, uh, in the sense for, for reps and how you as a manager deal with underperforming reps. And we'll be right back with my very special guest, Bridget Gleason. Hi, this is Andy. Connect and Sell is used by sales reps at nearly a thousand companies, including hundreds of technology startups and several Fortune 500 companies, to overcome the challenges of getting prospects on the phone. Companies using Connect and Sell grow their revenues faster by enabling their sales reps to have more sales conversations in 90 minutes than they could otherwise achieve in an entire week. Connect and Sell can be deployed directly to your sales reps, or you can take advantage of their outbound on-demand service, which delivers qualified prospect meetings scheduled directly on your sales reps' calendars. Visit connectandsell.com to learn more about how Connect and Sell can start filling your pipeline today. Okay, we're back. We're talking about, oh gosh, we started talking about business reviews, but then we, we morphed into, yeah, how do you handle the under, underperforming rep? Especially mm-hmm. when it comes time that you the, a change has to be made. You, they need to be terminated. They need to move on to another another role is question I, I get asked a lot is and I it's interesting because we tend to think that that almost all reps are going to be if there's not a fit for whatever reason that that reason usually has to do with with performance I mean quota attainment but yeah you know, my experience has been is that as often it's really not specifically that I mean there are other reasons you know cultural fit or attitude or or mistakes or something that really contribute to that? Definitely. But I'll tell you, Andy, most of the time, it's performance and that's it. So how much do you take into account external factors? Again, another question I get asked is, is a lot is when I'm working with companies is somebody says, yeah, we've got this guy's just, you know, it's not working. But yeah, I know something's going on in his personal life that's that you know, I, is having an influence on it. I mean, how much do you have to weigh that? Or do you, does it, I mean, without saying too cold-hearted, can you even weigh that when your evaluation as a manager as to whether to keep somebody on or not? I think you can, I, I always weigh it. I think the personal is so important. I think the personal is very important. And it's still important that they achieve the goals that are set out for them. And it could be that their personal situation, I think part of it depends on how how much it's influencing their ability to do their work and for what period of time this is happening. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So I've had, I, I mean, I've, I've, I've had that situation where um, people have had personal situations that have influenced their ability to do their job. And it's, in some cases, we're able to work through it and they're able to do their work and achieve it at the level that they need to and it's fine. In other cases, I've had to encourage them to find a different situation that is going to be more compatible with the situation that they're in at that point in time. Yeah, it's really, it's tricky because, I mean, I've been in situations where I've had top performers that suddenly have a personal crisis, let's say like a divorce, uh, unexpected divorce, and it's it's taken a toll. I mean, understandably, right? takes a toll. And this is, you know, top person. Yeah, how, how much time do you give them? That's a hard one, Andy. And also, when you say, how much time do you give them, what does that mean? You know, how much time do you give them to underperform? How much time do yeah. you give them to not show up? How much time no, do you give them No, I mean, underperform. To- they're showing up, but it's just, you know, it's uh, they're operating at 80% of capacity instead of 100%. And understandably so, but... And, you, you know, you want to be empathetic. You want to help them through it, but, you know, how long... How I mean... I know it's a tough question for you to answer, but you know how how long do you let it go on? I'm I, as you're talking, I'm thinking about back to different situations where uh, I've I've had this and have had to for for the very reasons, be it a, a, a divorce, um, a loss in the family, health issues. Oh, I mean, there's a myriad of reasons where life 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 happens. And it's it's a discussion, like I don't have a, oh, you give it three months and then you move on. I typically, and again, I'm thinking back to conversations that I've had and sort of packs that I've made with these individuals. So it's a, all right, let's, let's give this, let's say three months, and I'm making it up. It's not always three months. Sometimes it's a week. Sometimes it's a month. Sometimes, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And let's agree to these things. These are the commitments and things that I expect from you in this. And this is what I'll give to you return in return. And then let's evaluate in three months. And if it's not, if if we're not, if we can't get back to a place where we're at the capacity we need to be them at. Sometimes people at eighty percent capacity perform better than people that are at our hundred percent capacity. Sure, sometimes. So I, I think that has to be a conversation and, and a pact and an agreement and a commitment between the two saying, all right, let's think about what is a reasonable amount of time and how can I, how can I help you through this? I think, Andy, life, life doesn't stop and, and learning how to sort of in, integrate life into our everyday and to be, to move through the world successfully and to, to our work world successfully, despite life circumstances is a great skill to develop. And it's hard, but it's, it's a very, very great skill to develop. And, and you know, I think back to my own personal life that uh, when I was just, uh, Relative, I had two small children at home, one-year-old and a three-year-old, and 
I mean, this was, it should never be a surprise to anyone, but my, uh, my husband at the time, we, we separated. It wasn't my choice. And I had to go back to work when I hadn't, wasn't really prepared for it. I was home with the two kids at the mm-hmm. time yeah, and navigating, wanting to work part-time and being at home and, and young kids and I mean, babies essentially. Yeah. And had it, had it, and, and, and very heartbroken and personally in a, in a more fragile state. So I, I think I, I learned some things about how to, how to be able to, to do both that were really helpful for me in being able to cope. And for me, it wasn't a manager telling me you need to produce at this level. It was me knowing I've got some financial commitments and obligations and goals that I need to meet. And Regardless of my personal situation, I need to figure out how to do this. So it was it was more self-motivated on my part, but it gave me both a lot of empathy and uh, a desire to help individuals that are going through something. To, well, how, how do they navigate it personally and continue to work at a level that uh, also is satisfactory to themselves and the employer? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's a hard one. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's not easy. But it's a good life skill to learn, and it's one that I don't think you learn once; you you continue to learn. Oh, absolutely! Every time, it's a people business, and it's know, a people you, business. You, you never it's you never get perfect sure. at it. You no, are, you're always yeah. learning. That's right. Always so. learning. All right. Well, good. Well, today we're having a little bit of a shorter episode because I know you've got a commitment coming up. So, um, yeah, we didn't not a lot of hard answers today, but a lot of good things to think about in terms of working with employees who are struggling and need your help and. Um, how you can do that. So appreciate your input today and uh, we'll look forward to talking to you next week. Wonderful. Have a great, uh, have a great week, everybody. Great. And thank you everybody for listening and we'll again talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to the show. If you like what you heard and want to make sure you don't miss any upcoming episodes, please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or stitcher.com. For more information about today's guests, visit my website at andypaul.com.